listening to audio from Memphis Christian Church. If you'd like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit memphiscc.info. Well, good evening. It's good to be with you tonight. And for those of you that are new here to MCC, I want to welcome you. My name is David. I'm the youth pastor here, and I'm so excited to be able to celebrate our grads tonight. So why don't we bow our heads real quick and let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the cross. We thank you for the truth that has been sung already today that reminds us of the fact that you have not only come and dwelt here, but God, that you are to return. And God, in these moments of our life where we reflect on many things and look over the accolades and the accomplishments of grads, God, may nothing overshadow the reality of the fact that you're at work. And God, that you've invited us into that work. Lord, we thank you that we can see and be a part of the growth that you've called us into as we trust your lead. And not only the great and celebratory moments of our life, but God, in the very breaking points that we find ourselves in so very often. It's in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'll tell you, it is a great honor to watch this church love students so well. And students, those of you that are here tonight, whether you're graduating from high school or you're graduating from college, without a doubt, you have felt that in not only this week, but over the years that you've been connected here, whether that's through a hello at the door or involvement in service opportunities or leading in the worship band or having chances to serve in children's ministry or even the times that you've spent in connect groups, the opportunities to lead and to develop You are not just a part of a student ministry, nor are you just a part of a college ministry. You are a part of MCC. And we are so glad that you know that reality for your life. And as we celebrate you through different things tonight, I'll tell you, it brings up a whole bag of emotions for me, um, as I'm sure it does for every parent, every grandparent, every family member of the grads in the room. You know, just as I share in this excitement about what God's doing in our grads, I wrestle with wondering oftentimes, what is next for them? Like, like what does their life look like moving forward? What does college look like? What does full-time ministry look like? What does a career look like? And what can we do as the church to love and to encourage and to equip them to be ready for what is to come. Well, it's interesting that over the last eight weeks, we've been looking at these breaking point moments in our life, these moments where we find ourselves at the end of what we're capable of doing, and we're able to see how God does immeasurably more. And we've looked at the reasons why we rarely persevere through these points, And we've also considered how we can make these moments of breakthrough happen as we trust in the Spirit of God who is at work in our life and as we align to his plan. And in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus comes to this final point. It's his closing teaching on the eight life choices of growth that you find there in the Beatitudes. He says in verse 11, blessed are you when people insult you when they persecute you and 
falsely say all kind of evil things against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. In other words, don't be surprised when life gets hard. When you follow Jesus, in fact, consider it a blessing that people take notice of the fact that you know who and whose that you are. And furthermore, the text leads us to understand that there are those who have run the race before us. There are those who have gone ahead and have followed the Lord faithfully for all of their life, to the very moment of their death. What Jesus is describing is truly the very essence of growth that is rooted and established in the promise of God and who he is and the plan that he has for your life. This is your first point for tonight that I want you to wrestle with. I want you to apply to your life and that is difficulty can produce growth. These past two weeks, my family and I have spent several nights preparing the ground for a vegetable garden out in the field. My son has had the opportunity to watch and to be a part of that, to water in the evenings. And part of the process of preparing a vegetable garden, for those of you that know this, is tilling the soil, right? And why why do we do so? Why don't we just take the seed and throw it out in the yard and hope that some corn or tomatoes pop up? Well, we do it because we need to prepare the ground for something new to grow in it. And the way in which that's done is by breaking it apart, by softening it, by grinding it underneath of the tiller. You know, I think it's easy during graduation season as a whole to talk about all of the wonderful places that you will go, all the wonderful things that you will do. But I believe more today than ever, God's desire is for you to be ready for difficulty. And that difficulty would not scare you. To be rooted and established in his love and to make choices to grow through difficulty as you turn to the one who holds it all in his hands. James says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And so let perseverance finish its work that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Jesus said in John 16, verse 33, I have told you these things. He says, effectively, I have shared my life with you and I've shared the fact that things are gonna get difficult so that you may have peace. Because in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, for I have overcome the world. You see, the truth is so important for us today. As followers of Jesus, we desire to do the right thing. At least we should, right? Uh, We desire to do the wisest thing that God would call us into. Yet, within this world that is broken and fragmented by sin, within our flesh that desires pleasure for itself, we are constantly being bombarded with ever-growing noise. Man, the world has gotten real loud over the last couple years, hasn't it? And there's a lot of voices telling us a lot of different things. 
And oftentimes we find ourselves really challenged and confused about what we should do in a given situation and how to move forward in the best of ways. One of the grads said it this last week when we interviewed them through some questions. They said, what's the best advice that you can give someone who's still in middle school or high school? And I always like this question because it often reveals the situation about a grad, right? Because there's some grads that say, live it up, high school's short, right? Do all the things that you want to do. But notice what this grad says. The best advice that I can give you is to just lean in. It's going to be hard. In fact, God even tells us that our walk with him is going to be hard. But it's in those difficult moments where you will truly find who you are and what his love for us really means. Those words do not come out of a heart that has not experienced God in those moments. You see, the truth is, for each of you in this room today, your Father in heaven knows your need. He knows your heart, and he's given you the very breath that's in your lungs today. And God's desire and his invitation is that we would not seek to do life alone, but rather to go to him in surrender and prayer. Our life as it's created is not meant to do things by ourselves. In fact, our body, our mind, our spirit itself, it longs for something to lead us. And oftentimes the thing that takes the driver's seat is us. But for all those in the room, when we take the driver's seat in our life, does that really produce the things that we thought it would? How many times have we been disappointed by the way that we thought something would go only to find that it looks very different on the other side? Or when we found ourselves longing for something and it never happens? Or when we try to make it happen and it was never meant to? You see, this is why Jesus invites us to pray. This is why Jesus invites us to surrender. You see, Jesus did these things and shared these things because this is what Jesus did. Prayer for Jesus's life, it was the very center of what he did. His earthly ministry began with it and it ended with it. The busier that Jesus's ministry became, the more he prayed. He prayed alone. He prayed for others. He prayed about others. And not only did he know that this prayer made the difference for him, but others noticed it too. Towards the end of Jesus' life, do you notice what the disciples asked Jesus to do? They don't ask Jesus to teach them how to preach. They don't ask Jesus how to cast out demons. They say, Lord, teach us how to pray. In other words, they said, Jesus, we want to listen and to know God like you do because we see that that's the source of your life because you prioritize it. And when you're finished with it, there's something different about you. And that's because Jesus knew that prayer was more than just a one-way conversation with God. And, and prayer was certainly not a confession booth, but rather prayer is above all and an opportunity for me to bring my heart into alignment with what God's will is. Prayer aligns my heart with his will. You'll remember that this was the theme of the prayer that Jesus taught 
to the crowd that was gathered for the Sermon on the Mount that we've been studying over the past eight weeks throughout the Beatitudes. In fact, if you look, you can see where Jesus goes in and he says, Father, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Far too often we overlook the importance of prayer and we treat it like it's a task that we have to complete before bedtime or before we eat a meal. But prayer is designed for us to recognize that he is greater and that we are less. Do you remember John's words as he watched Jesus pass by? John the Baptist said, he must increase and I must decrease. This truth is found in our surrender to God's will, and it certainly doesn't happen by accident. In fact, it's a choice of growth that we make. You know, it's the same type of choice that we make when we go out into the garden and we prune it, right? When we take the vines and we put them onto the trellis so that it'll climb. We don't just let it grow wild and hope that something comes out of it. No, we intentionally go and we tend to it regularly so that it would be pruned to produce good fruit. And the same is true in the growth in our lives. Join me in your Bibles. Go to Matthew chapter 26, and I want you to see Jesus in his example here and why this is so important for us when it comes to how we grow in here. You see, it's here that Jesus meets with the disciples and he lets them know that there's gonna be temptation. In fact, he says to be ready for it to come. And now the disciples, just like you and I, uh, they kind of shrug it off, right? We hear this idea that, yeah, life's gonna be difficult, life's gonna be hard, there's gonna be these problems that come. But oftentimes what we do is we say, yeah, 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 it's cool, but I got it. I, I can handle that. In fact, when that comes, I'll deal with it. I love this statement, right? We'll cross that bridge when we get there. But what we know is that it's always gonna get here faster than what we thought it was. And so Jesus takes him to the place called Gethsemane, a garden just outside of Jerusalem, and he lets them know how serious the issue is. Matthew 26, verse 36, then Jesus went with his disciples to the garden and he said, sit here while I go over there in prayer. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then he looks at the disciples and he said, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Notice what Jesus is feeling here is real emotions. But don't forget that Jesus was fully God and fully man. Oftentimes we forget that God knows what pain feels like in our life. Oftentimes we put God over in this box that he cannot relate with the disappointment that I'm feeling or that he doesn't know the sorrow of a situation. But as we see here, Jesus fully knows, God fully knows and this was more than just a moment of Jesus preparing himself for the cross. It was also knowing that Judas, 
not too long before, one of his disciples, a man that he ate with, that he fellowshiped with, that he loved, was currently leading a legion of people up the hillside towards the garden to arrest Jesus. Jesus knew in this moment that Judas had betrayed him for a small bag of coins. We think that God doesn't know what betrayal feels like or to be hurt by someone, he does. And man, he teaches us how to grow through it. Even when we feel like we're at our breaking point. Notice what Jesus does with the weight. He goes back to the father again and he fell on his face in verse 39 to the ground and he prayed. He says, my father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet, notice, not as I will, but as you will. Verse 40, then he returned to the disciples and found them sleeping. <laughs> Couldn't you men keep watch for me for just an hour? Watch and pray, he says to them, so that you will not fall into temptation. Jesus said, the spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak. Two big words that Jesus shares with the disciples and then apply to us today. I want you to write them down. Watch and pray. Jesus says, be on lookout for the temptation that comes, especially when you feel like you are at your strongest. He says, be ready and aligned to God's plan through your life through prayer because difficulty is to come. Do not think for a moment that the thing that you have claimed that has been put to bed is gone forever, but be ready for it to strike even in the moments. Jesus also says that the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. You see, we find ourselves so often pulling away from growth opportunities and diving into these places that only lead us astray. I wanna give you three, there are more, but I believe these are three that I have seen take place, not only in my life, but also in the lives of others that can lead us astray and cause us to miss the opportunities of growth. First, is we revert to our own willpower. You and I, again, are not created to stand on our own. And when we decide that we're able to, we will quickly find ourselves on our face again. It may not be that day, but it will come. Because our own willpower will only get us so far. Even the best willpower will never match what God's spirit can do in your life for breakthrough, for grace, forgiveness, my goodness, endurance. Galatians 3, verse 3 says, Are you so foolish that after beginning by means of the Spirit, you are now trying to finish by means of the flesh? In other words, you started out strong in your faith. Your surrender to Jesus was true and authentic, but you have found yourself wandering back into your own ways of trying to make it happen on your own. Are you so foolish? Have you forgotten the power 
of the spirit that has led you. Number two is that we ignore God's plan. God is always at work and he's invited us into his plan. And when we choose to ignore his invitation, I'm telling you, not just like the overall invitation of God's will, but when we choose to ignore God's plan to walk across the room and to do what he's called us to do, to have the conversation with the person at the restaurant, to stop the car and to pray for the person that's on the side of the road, to make the phone call that we know that we're supposed to make, we're missing out on opportunities. We are missing out on ways to be encouraged in ways that we didn't know that we need to be encouraged. And we're missing out on joining God in what he is already doing. The five-year plan, the 10-year plan looks so good on paper, students and families, right? It's something that we hardwire into our education system. But what if that plan was made in my will and not God's? It's irrelevant. Before I make a plan for my life, before I step outside of my door, why would I be so foolish to think that I can do this on my own? These growth movements are often squashed by our own pride. They're squashed by our fear. And they're often squashed because we're so concerned with what we need to do next that we won't stop for a minute and see God in the moment or that we're looking down at this that we miss what's going on right here. Proverbs 19, many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. And number three, we are absent from the gathering. We are absent from the gathering of God's people. Students, families, you will often hear people say that church is not essential. In fact, we've seen it played out over the last few years, haven't we? From the public stage where those have said very openly and honestly, church is not essential. That is inaccurate. That is false. And it's so false that it causes you to miss out on what growth is. God's plan for the church is for us to be united in community, in fellowship, in serving, in equipping so that we may glorify and praise the Lord. And so because of that, our connection, our involvement, and here's the big one, our commitment to the church is essential. Whether that church is right here at MCC or it's the new church that you connect with at the base of your military branch, or it's the one in the town of the college campus that you will be moving towards, or the one in the country that you will move to to serve and to lead God's people. Go and find it. Don't miss the importance of how much that means to your growth. One of our grads shared again this past week that connection in the church is so important because it encourages us in our life and our walk with God. Connection through God brings people together and can influence everyone to live the best life that they can through God. 
the student has just started seeing how good and awesome God is through the connection in the church and has been loved on so deeply. And I am so thankful for what God has done in her life. Hebrews 10 verse 25 says, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. All the more as we see the day approaching. What day? The day in which Christ returns. Let us not miss a moment. I want to invite one of our graduates to the stage, and uh, he's going to share about the moments that he's had the opportunity to connect in here at MCC over the past 16 years of his life. Would you warmly welcome Bronlin Hutton to the stage? Yeah, so like David said, I've been here for 16 years. I've been through every stage of Clubhouse. I've uh, been in Collide since fifth grade. And I've also been every single character known to man for, through VBS, uh, <laughs> Christmas. I've been, I've been Buzz Lightyear. I've been Schroeder from Charlie Brown. I've been a train conductor. I've been Buddy the Elf. It's just been everything. But um, that's where I first connected here when I was a kid. And then I was baptized here at the age of 10 by Dave. And um, just because of the people around me and the influence I had from here, I was able to understand what God had done for me and how to respond to that at a young age. Um, as I went through middle school, I was given a pair of drumsticks by <laughs> I was given a pair of drumsticks by Scott Shireman, and it would take me a long time before I got any good. But it was people like Jordan Hutton and then eventually Dan who would just let me get up on stage in those formative years. <laughs> Who would, who would just let me get up on stage and just learn about worship and just get better at what I was doing. Um, but towards the end of middle school, I contracted a completely unexpected illness that um, caused me to rapidly lose hearing in my left ear. And the response to that was a surgery that was supposed to fix it. And so we were very hopeful going into that. And I left that surgery with absolutely no hearing. And that was terrifying because I didn't know what to do. My family didn't know what to do. And I spent those next few months just reclusive and fear and angry at everyone and everything. So later on, we found out that the next solution was another surgery that was supposed to fix everything and give me hearing back. And so we were very hopeful going into that. And I left that with absolutely no hearing again. And now I had to learn as a 13-year-old how to adapt to this new life that I had to go through. I had to learn you know, how to just deal with everything in my daily life. I had to juggle whether I was ever going to get to play drums again. And what I didn't, I didn't know anything. I didn't know what the future was going to look like at all, but I did know that I had God and I had this church family that was just going to walk with me through it all. So I completely gave that situation over to God. And it was, I mean, what came out of that was amazing. I got back up there. I started playing drums again. And then I played more, and I played more, and I played more, and I became the main drummer here in just a couple short years. Um, so I've just had so many people in my life walk me through that. Jake Yule and Dan Wieglib, who are just with me every day. And through all these experiences and just staying connected here, I've learned that I have a deep love for worship ministry and I have a deep love for his church. And that leads me to where I'm at now, which is... Uh, accepting a call and pursuing a call to do worship ministry production in my life. 
and um, I'm very excited about that. And I don't have that all planned out right now. I mean, I have somewhat of a plan, but you know, I don't know everything. But I do know that God's hand is in it, and then I have this church that's going to walk with me. So thank you. Did you hear it? The response of a heart that is surrendered to God's plan when it doesn't make sense. The willingness to trust when things don't line up. The growth that comes out of disappointment and difficulty. In Matthew chapter 26, we join Jesus back as he goes to the Lord a second time in prayer. He says, my father, if it's not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he found the disciples sleeping again. And so instead of focusing again on the disappointment of those around him that even in the simplest of things could not stay awake, what does Jesus do? He goes back to the Lord a third time and he says the same thing. Notice Jesus does not go to the Father once, not twice, but three different times so that he would gather his heart in alignment. It didn't matter that it was late. It didn't matter that his friends had fallen asleep. What mattered was that he needed his heart aligned. And this is what empowers Jesus to do what comes out of these next few verses. Verse 45. Then he returned to the disciples and he said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come and the son of man is to be delivered into the hand of sinners. He knows it. And he says, rise, let's go. Here comes my betrayer. Now the context of this verse is not that Jesus says, I am scared of the fact that my betrayer is coming. No, the emphasis is on the fact of rise and go forth towards the fact that my betrayer is coming. Jesus is not hiding. Jesus is not running. It's because Jesus' heart's aligned. And when our hearts are aligned to God's will, he makes us brave. Jesus did not run when he heard the chatter of the bloodthirsty men as they came up the hill with torches lit. Jesus was not overtaken, no. Jesus, our Lord and Savior, came from the garden and he met Judas and the multitude that accompanied him. And listen to what comes out of Jesus' mouth. Then Jesus, because he knew everything that was going to happen to him, came and asked them, who are you looking for? is how John describes that moment. Jesus knew who they were looking for, and he was bold enough to ask because his life was in line with the will of God. How? Through the continued process of choosing growth found through prayer and surrender. What was the result? Jesus went to the cross and he died for your sins, for my sins, for all sins of the world. And this is one of the breakthrough moments found in the midst of the breaking point of Jesus' life. 
Jesus through his faithfulness, Jesus through his surrender, Jesus through his life, Jesus through his sacrifice is the compelling element for our response to God's invitation. And Jesus's life is the model for our lives today. Graduates and families, those gathered here today, those that are online watching, I want to share one more encouragement with you as the band comes and as we settle into our response of what God has done. And it's found in Psalms chapter 121. And you'll notice there that just under that psalm, if you were to flip there here in the room or if you go home and you look there, you'll see that it says that it's the song of ascents. What does that mean? Well, we know what the word ascend means, right? That means to go up. And so this psalm was written and it was recited as Jerusalem was a place in which God's people would travel to. You see, Jews traveling to Jerusalem for one of, main, uh, one of three reasons would go there and they would sing this song of ascent as they traveled up the hill to the city. And according to other traditions, even the priests, as they walked up the stairs to the temple, they would sing this song. They would recite this truth. Either way, history is great, but the truth for this song for our life today is that it's intended for a journey. It is intended for an uphill climb in our life. One that we've talked about a lot today and one that we know that we are all on and I believe it's a great reminder for you as you journey past graduation to what will not be easily done. But certainly you do not have to travel alone in. Psalm 121 says, I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you does not sleep Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. He's the very hope for our life because the sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forever. What a prayer for our life. What a truth to recognize that God is good. His plan is true. My alignment with him in the brokenness of my life or in the victories of my life is pleasing to God. And God's invitation for you is that you would commit to growth. Not just halfway, but that you would grow your roots deep into his love. And that you would discover that he is far more, far more than you ever thought or imagined. And that his plan for you that is revealed day by day, moment by moment, has the opportunity to draw you closer to him. And what a privilege to be drawn towards a God, the God, who has everything in the very palm of his hand. Let's stand together and let's pray. Father, I thank you for the truth of who you are and what you've done. For grads in this room, for families that are gathered, for individuals that stand now. God, I, 
I just want to give space right here for us to simply call upon you to lead us. God, that we'd stop trying to do it on our own, that we would recognize that you've called us out onto the great water of trust. God, that the wind and waves, yes, they may howl and blow, but that you command even those. That you call us to do things that seem outrageous, but are right in line with your will. Father, just as we've looked at over these last eight weeks, may we not look at our breaking points as moments of retreat moments that we would lean in and trust you. Thank you for that invitation through Jesus Christ. It's in his holy and precious name. Amen. If you're ready to make a decision for Christ today, you want to give your life to him in baptism, you want to know about your next step in him, don't wait another moment. Come and have a conversation with someone that'll be here to talk with you about your next step. Let's sing together.